Yo tengo casi 33 años de ser, de ser forense. Nunca había visto una, una escena así. En Spring 2021, reporter Brian Avalar launched an investigation that began in the depths of a grave dug by a serial killer and ended with the government forcing him and other journalists to flee El Salvador. Sonoro and Revista Factum present Humo. Murder and Silence in El Salvador, the story behind a country where the truth and its citizens' rights are buried under the weight of power. Señor Ministro, ¿dónde está Karen y Eduardo Guerrero? ¿Dónde están mis hijos? Listen to Humo, Murder and Silence in El Salvador, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into The Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in The Daily Book Club. My name is Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. This podcast will be about my story and my words, talking about my own personal experiences in self-healing. I do not claim to be a therapist, counselor, or licensed psychologist. Hello, my name is Amanda Bedard, and I'm the co-host, producer, and editor of Invisible Tears. I'm a Reiki master, certified professional life coach, spiritual coach, wellness coach, and a counseling practitioner. Some of the content you will hear in this podcast may be disturbing to some. Viewer discretion is advised. But it is our hope by putting this information out there that we may help others to heal. We will always be a platform for truth and healing. This is Invisible Tears. Welcome to part two of the Invisible Tears episode, Not All Scars Are Visible, where Jane and Amanda talk about PTSD, symptoms, triggers, tools, and treatments. I was so fucked up for so long and didn't even know it. As the weeks and months and years started going, it was easier and easier for me to notice symptoms and recognize them. And so it was easier for me to really focus on them and heal from them and find tools to address them. It was a long process, a long process. I absolutely love that you had such a good therapist, though. Like, I I hear you talk about exactly what she did with you. It's exactly what you just explained to me was like total dedication from your part, too. I mean, I certainly don't want to put it all on the therapist. I mean, exactly what you just explained was that you were in constant, constant therapy for years. Not everybody fully dives into therapy like that because they realize that they really do need help and they do need to work on themselves. With you bringing into your therapy session, 
question, you know, what happened, you know, the situation about what happened and essentially having you guys dive to the root. What she ended up doing with you is dove to the root so you understood and could be cognizant about what was occurring when that was happening. So number one, it's just being present in your mind now, not being buried is a huge bonus. And then walking through the tools or the different ways to have reactions or different reactions, I should say, in the future. That's exactly what you needed. It was. I was 100% full on committed to healing. Yes. Without a doubt. Uh, I needed it. Not only did I do it for myself, first and foremost, I did it for my family. I wanted so much to be a better mother and a better wife and a better friend. And because I know I wasn't was not a good freaking person before my therapy. I am not going to lie about that. I was not easy to live with. I was not easy to be around. I was a shitty person. I had zero compassion for anybody. I was very judgmental. Oh my God, I was so judgmental. I was judgmental for people that were doing the same fucking thing I was doing. (laughs) What what the hell was wrong with me? I was not a good person and I wanted to be different. I wanted a better life. I wanted to be happy. I was never happy. And because I wasn't happy, I made sure the environment that I lived in and I was surrounded by wasn't happy. It kind of just naturally happens sometimes. It's it's like an energy transference is really what it is. Energy is contagious. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I still find myself like, um, I'm a people watcher. I'm a wicked people watcher. And sometimes I find myself judging. But then I, I, I home back and I'm like, whoa, who are you to judge? Be a people watcher, but it doesn't mean you have to be judgmental. You know, I see like, drug addicts and and alcoholics and people like that making bad choices. People find it so easy to judge them. And being a gambling addict, you know, I made a lot of bad choices and made a lot of bad decisions. And that's one thing I don't do is judge people like that. They have their own battles that they have to deal with. They have their own demons they have to deal with. Do I wish the drugs and the alcohol and or even so much the alcohol, but the drugs that are consuming our country right now. Do I wish they weren't around? Hell yeah, I do wish they weren't around. Do I wish there'd be more rehabs around, more help for these people? Absolutely, there should be. There's not enough attention on the opiate addiction that we have in this country, and there should be. But to sit and judge them, I don't do it. 15 years ago, I would have. And it's like, everybody has a story. Everybody has their own reasoning for doing what they're doing. Until you walk in their shoes or until you walk in my shoes, you have no right to judge. You're in such a different space now. Oh, so different. So I'm curious, I'm going to ask you some specifics about these tools. So as you were working through with your therapist, because I think that everybody would really like to understand, like maybe some of your tools could be their tools if they know that they're working through something. What tools did you find worked best for you as you were working through some of your symptoms? One of the tools I use, which I've used this as an example before, like with my anxiety, I have to look around and see, okay, what's causing me so much anxiety? Like say you're outside, 
and you get a bunch of bees flying around you. And of course, that's going to cause anxiety. It's, you're frustrated. You're pissed. You don't want to be stung. Uh, you shoo them away, but they keep coming back. And so you're feeling all this anxiety. So if you walk through a door and you go in the house and you sit down, the bees are outside, you're inside, your anxiety drops. So to me, my big thing is taking me out of that situation. If it's at all possible, I'm feeling anxiety about something. Okay, why am I feeling the anxiety? And is there a way to take myself out of that situation, move to another room, uh, go for a ride, do something, remove myself from that space? That is a huge one for me. That's a really good tool I use. Does it always work? 90% of the time it does. That is an absolutely awesome tool. And I can add a little bit of another um, step to that tool that always used to work for me personally. Not sure if I've actually talked about this on the podcast, but in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with anxiety because of panic attacks. I was on medication because of it. And a friend of mine who also was on medication for anxiety attacks and panic attacks taught me a technique. It worked for me and I've told a whole bunch of clients about it. So I always make sure and spread this love wherever I can about this technique. If you start feeling some sort of anxiety or panic attack, come on, not only number one, sort of removing yourself from any sort of situation, anything else that's on the outside, super important, right? Super important. Just even if you have to like lock yourself away somewhere, do that just, just to get away from anything or any type of stimulation. Next step. Focus on something, some sort of object, just that object, only that object. Look at that object and start, even if you have to do it out loud, look at that object and just start describing it to yourself. For those of you that can't see our visual on YouTube, I'm holding up a post-it note, right? Oh, okay. Look at, it's a square. It's green. How many sheets of post-it notes are left on it, you know, and only focusing on this one inanimate object until my physical body calmed down, always prevented me from going into a panic attack. Because what you're doing is you're taking your focus from everything that's overwhelming you that's going to put you into a panic attack to one inanimate object that really doesn't matter at all. So it's not going to sort of make any emotion bubble up. And then once your body starts calming down, so does your mind and you're good. Totally makes sense. And it's so simple and it may sound so weird to some people, but I swear the reason why she told me about it is because it worked all of the time for her. I started doing it, worked all the time for me. And I have told any of my clients that have had, you know, problems with like anxiety or like panic attacks. And for those of you that have never experienced a panic attack, it literally feels like you're dying. It feels like you're having a heart attack. Um, people aren't exaggerating when they're talking about it. I mean, your blood pressure, your heart rate, you start sweating, you get lightheaded. I used to have to put my head between my legs because I thought I was going to pass out. You know, if you have a panic attack and you go to the hospital, they can physically see that on monitors. Yep. So it's not something that's made up in your mind. You are physically feeling a panic attack. Yep. Yeah. Not fun. No, not fun at all. So your tool of removing yourself from the situation and everything, absolutely for your anxiety. Absolutely. I just wanted to add in that little suggestion to people that might need 
that suggestion or might need to utilize that little tool because it's definitely, while I haven't had to do it in quite some time because I haven't had a panic attack in quite some time, thankfully, it's the tool that I go to that helps me. That's a very good tool. Um, Anger. Oh, I was an angry person. Angry about everything. Yeah, I've thrown things, broke things, many, many things. I used to have quite the temper. Uh, I don't think I've had shown my temper in years now. It's been, been quite a while. But when I get angry now, I kind of look at the situation and say, okay, why am I really angry? Is this really worth being angry? And I really step back and, and sometimes I go for a walk. And it's not even like I'm taking me out of that angry situation. It's occupying my mind with something else. Mm-hmm. Really rethinking to why am I angry? All right, is this really worth being angry about? Maybe I'm a little bit more angry than I should be. I mean, everybody gets angry. Everybody gets mad. Yeah, of course. But my anger used to last hours, (laughs) literally hours. I used to get this feeling in my stomach when my anger was really building up. And um, now I can recognize that feeling in my stomach, the angry coming out. And I just... uh, I'll go for a walk. I'll, I'll do something to take my mind off it. Listen to music, put my headphones on, go read something, go on my phone. Really try to um, first evaluate why I'm angry. Should I be this angry? I take deep breaths. Um, breathing technique. That was another thing. My counselor taught me a breathing technique that I use all the time now. It doesn't even have to have anything to do it my symptoms of PTSD. Some people, they breathe in and their chest goes up and then they breathe out. The breathing technique she taught me was breathing in and blowing your stomach up with air. You're actually breathing deeper. Your stomach puffs up with air and then you breathe out. Breathe in through your nose and that fills your stomach up with air and then you breathe out. I used to breathe in my chest would blow up and then breathe out. Now I breathe in and put air in my stomach. That is like so healthy for you. Yes, (laughs) It puts oxygen in your stomach, helps your blood flow better. When I breathe in, it's like I'm breathing all my frustrations and anger in. And then when I breathe out, I'm letting that anger go, getting rid of it, getting it out of my body. I love it. I laugh my butt off, but she's like, nobody, nobody does breathing exercises, right? And she taught me that. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it was really cool when she taught me that. And I still do that, even without any stress or anxiety or or being angry or anything. Once in a while, I'll sit there and just breathe in, you know, a nice clean air into my belly and then breathe out. Yeah, I like that. It's the way I start and stop all healing sessions. Do you really? Yes. Not just with myself um, to help myself be good and ground or whatever, but with clients too. It's great for like your physical, your mental, emotional, right? To just calm down it, it, because it naturally helps you calm down. Um, it's also switching your focus, which is going to start taking the anger away. You know, when I was younger, I, I used to have a ton of anger problems and a really bad temper um, as well. One of the biggest pieces that I pretty consistently tell myself, and it definitely goes along with it, you know, sort of like redirecting the focus and everything or trying to figure out what, what I'm really angry about. And I like how you said, if I should be angry about that, quite often I'll find myself telling myself, remember, you're the one that's con- 
controlling your reaction to this. You are the person that's in control about how you are reacting to this. Just taking a moment to remind yourself of that sometimes can completely change your reaction to it and and have you be like, okay, well, of course, everybody's allowed to feel emotions. Everybody's allowed to be sad, angry, you know, irritated, pissed off. That's normal. We're not saying be robots and don't feel emotions. Really recognizing how you're allowing it to affect you and realizing that you're the person that has the power in how much it affects you. Exactly. And naturally your thought process can then go to, to maybe recognizing or trying to put yourself in like someone else's shoes or from a different perspective and try and understand a little bit better about like, say somebody did something that, you know, pissed you off. Right. And you're having a reaction to it. If you're pausing and if you're remembering you have control over your reaction to it, you can sit there and most often where my mind will actually go is from their perspective, why did they say this? Why did they say this in this way? And that sort of brings in a compassion piece too, which can naturally take away anger. I used to go into my therapist session and say, Dennis made me so mad this week. <laughs> and she's like, no, Dennis didn't make you mad. You allowed him to make you mad. And it's so true. And I always think of that now when I get mad because of somebody's actions. It's like, no, you're not going to make me mad. I will not allow you to make me mad. So yeah, that's that's so true. <laughs> People do not make you mad. You allow them to make you mad. And, and that should be with everybody, with every situation. Don't take that control away from yourself. You're the person yeah. that's, a, that's in control of your emotions, right? Don't give them that control. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now back to our episode. Oh, what other symptom that I really worked with? Let me see. Having a hard time managing strong emotions. That pretty much goes along with the um, anger. Anger. And stuff. I mean, there's still some things like I'm extremely outspoken. So I always think when I talk, but when something gets in my head, I have to blurt it out. I can't always wait till somebody has, um, we're having a conversation about something and somebody wants to explain something. I just, I put something out because I, I, it hits my head and I need to get it out of my mouth. I do that a lot. I've kind of simmered down a little bit with that. Sometimes I'll be like, whoa, okay, let's hold on a minute. Let's step back. I mean, like with the podcasting, especially when there's three of us on, That is really hard for me to do. (laughs) Like when we do our reaction episodes, oh my God, it's like, oh yeah, I wanted to say this. And I have to hold myself back and say, wait your turn. You'll have a turn. You can say what you want. Just wait a minute. Somebody else wants to speak. So I am. I want to work on that (laughs) and I try to work on that. That's such a personality trait of mine. That's such a huge piece of your personality though. It it would be one of those things that I can understand wanting to, you know, work through that a, a bit, but if you worked, you know, tried to work through that too, too much, that would actually change your personality quite a bit. I would think so. What is some of the other symptoms? that I've really had to work through, you know, fear, Mm -hmm. fear and feeling um, 
Like I was watched all the time, paranoid. I mean, I have to be honest with you though, Jane, with what happened to you, I'm not surprised. And especially since he was never caught and the case is still unsolved, I'd have a very hard time telling you that you were paranoid. Realistically speaking, it's just the circumstances surrounding what you were dealing with. But it still affected my life in a very negative way. True. You know, so I think, I think with talking about everything that happened to me, and one of the things that we did, especially with my anger, because I had so much anger towards him, my attacker, so much anger towards him. You know, for years, I was just, just angry that this happened to me and that he inserted himself into my life, not only physically, but mentally uh, for years. Yep. I just had so much of that anger. So what we did was we took all that fear and all that paranoia and all that anger towards him. And we wrote it down all on paper. Why was I so angry with him? What did he do to me that, you know, created so much of this anger and fear? Why am I so, you know, still feeling so much fear after 20 years and paranoia and all that, and just really had to describe in in great lengths and in great detail how much he affected my life in such a negative way. Yeah. Not just physically, but mentally. Right. And wrote it all down. And then she liked to burn stuff a lot. (laughs) I love it. I'm a burner too. And um, I had to rip it all up in different pieces. But as I was ripping it, I was saying, you are no longer controlling how I live my life. You are not no longer going to have control over how I feel or how I think or anything like that. And I'd rip it up in itty bitty pieces. And then I, we burn it. And then she had me sit down and say, now let's destroy him. Would you like to destroy him? And, you know, visually, yeah, I wanted to destroy his presence in my life, mentally. Physically, I don't even want to talk about what I would like to do to him physically. But I needed to destroy his presence in my life mentally. So we sat down and she brought me almost into a hypnosis state and walked me through, um, okay, you have him. You can do whatever you want to him. Don't be afraid to destroy him in any way that you feel you want to destroy him in your mind. And it was like no holds barred. And she brought me through that whole process and got really, really detailed. There was no blood or gore. I don't believe any suffering in my mind, no more than what he's done to me. But it was just mentally destroying him. The way she had me do it and get so detailed about my surroundings, like for whatever reason, I chose this very dark, dungeony brick surrounding 
like wet water dripping down. To me, it was almost like I was describing like a evil hell that he was in. And I sat there and not physically, it was with my mind. I didn't see myself physically harming him. It was all with my mind destroying him. It's so hard to explain, but I did that for a whole session. We, we did that. I felt safe after that. I love that. That's awesome. I felt like, okay, you have harmed me as far as you could possibly, as much as you could possibly harm me. You're not going to harm me anymore, mentally or physically. It took his control away and gave you the control. Exactly. I never talked about that. I never told anybody about that. Did you see my face as you were describing it? I'm like so intrigued. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then I'm listening to like the technique that she had you do. I'm like, this is genius because I knew that's exactly where she was going. Right. And that's exactly where you were going. It wasn't about the blood and the gore and the, it's not like she was walking you through like murdering him or anything like that. What she's walking you through is destroying his control in your brain and giving you the control because now you can feel as if you have the control back. Yeah. And I love that. We did that. And then we, we talked about that for like two months, the whole process. That was huge. That was a huge turning point in my healing. I love it, Jane. Well, I haven't thought about that in a while. I think now I, that's why I don't, feel like he's a threat to me anymore. People are like, oh, you're talking about your story and your name is out there and you got Facebook and Invisible Tears and doing Dark Valley. And now you want to talk about speaking engagements. People are like, are you sure you want to do speaking engagements? You know, and they're like, aren't you still afraid he's still out there? It's like, I'm not. And that's probably why, because I'm not allowing myself to be afraid of him anymore. Like you said, I have the control now. He doesn't. He destroyed me and controlled me mentally for years. That's the thing with trauma, especially um, like domestic violence or child abuse, child molestation, or my attack. It's not about the physical. Physical heals fairly quickly in most instances. It was the mental, the mental part of my attack that went on for over 20 years. People don't realize that unless somebody has gone through traumatic, something traumatic, it just doesn't end after that healing process, the physical healing process. It really, really doesn't. It lingers on mentally. Getting back to that's why we're doing this. So people know and are aware of what does a victim have to go through after, after a traumatic event. Yeah. I'm putting it all out there, boy. Putting it all out there. This this is what victims have had to go through. It's not about just what happened to you physically. The mental aspect of it is a hundred times worse, thousand times worse than the physical. Maybe that's why I don't ever remember the pain, the pain of my stabbing. The mental aspect of the whole thing just took over so quick. Yep. I'm sure. So those are some of the symptoms that I have had to deal with and some of the tools that I've used and um, some of the things that I have had to experience and conquered. There's a lot of treatment out there for PTSD now, different treatment. I mean, some people even choose to go to medication. I tried medication for a while. Did you? Yeah. 
I have such a low tolerance with medication because I have tried several medication like turn me into a zombie. Oh, okay. Yep. You're super sensitive to medication. Super, super. So I really, I chose to stay away from the medication, but I know some people that have chosen medication have been able to find really good medication for themselves. I mean, there's so much medication out there. And, you know, I have been told that sometimes it takes a long time to find that right medication with the right dosage to work. So people have had to be patient, but I have heard great things about medication. Um, you know, it works for some people. I chose not to because I am so sensitive to it. I strongly, strongly encourage therapy. Yes. Therapy is just fantastic. Think about it like a, just a conversation for an unbiased person that doesn't even know you. Maybe you just want to go there and go blah and let everything out. Therapy is fantastic. But yeah, specific to PTSD and trauma, definitely somebody who has more of a cognitive behavior therapy, you know, sort of like teachings and um, an umbrella in it just because of how it focuses on changing the patterns and the feelings. Especially like with PTSD, you may not like the first therapist or counselor you meet with, and that's okay. Look around and try to find someone that you are very comfortable with speaking with. You may see two, three, four different therapists before you find that right one. Don't get discouraged and just throw in the towel and say, oh, I can't do this. You know, therapy's not for me or therapy's not going to help me. Sometimes people have to shop around like you shop around for a pair of shoes and find one that fits. I was extremely fortunate that I found one that fit me. I think she was sent to me, sent to me because, I mean, technically I started seeing her for my addiction. And uh, she ended up being an amazing therapist for my PTSD. So that's the great treatment for PTSD is, is therapy. I really can't stress it enough. It saved my life flat out. If I did not start therapy or I had therapy, I would be either dead or in jail for the rest of my life. No doubt about it. I have no doubt in my mind. My life was spiraling out of control with making very, very bad choices for myself. And uh, counseling saved me. Sure did. I'm not even ashamed to say that. You shouldn't be. Counseling is fantastic. It is. What other treatments are there? You did mention the cognitive processing therapy, right? I did. Prolonged exposure therapy. Spiritual and faith. Some people choose to do the spiritual route. I do. Energy work is sort of um, combined and associated with that type of route. Some tools to help with me too is like a meditation, which I would most definitely group into spiritual. But yeah, the prolonged exposure therapy that you were talking about, the key with this. So I think sometimes there's a negative connotation associated with prolonged exposure therapy, just because people almost think, oh my God, you're re-traumatizing. By exposing yeah. to something that might be, uh, be some sort of like trigger or or something of the sort. But the key with prolonged exposure is the gradual approach. It's gradual and it's creating a safe, controlled environment to reteach the feelings during the memories for what was traumatic. It's a pretty big um piece or tool that can be used for um, people that are just very strictly just avoidance 
And it's really impacting different parts of their lives. A lot of times therapists will go to that tool. Yeah. Some things that people do, um, even when they don't have, um, they're not experiencing triggers or they're not experiencing symptoms or anything like that. People go and do, um, get body massages, pamper themselves, meditation, going to the gym, exercise. These are things that people do to prevent symptoms or triggers to come. It's, what do I want to say? Self. Self-care. Self-care. I don't do enough of that. I really should. I'm horrible with that. I dress something when it approaches. I've got so much going on lately and I do not see my life slowing down much at all in the in the near future, nor you. I'm definitely going to start focusing on self-care a little bit more. I say we should do it together, Jane. You know, and not a bad idea. Commit to something, you know, even one one day a week or something, commit to something and uh, do some self-care for ourselves because um, I think everybody should do that. Yeah, I agree. I start hitting the gym more regularly or because I did really enjoy the gym. Okay, so we'll be posting stuff, um, 1-800 numbers for PTSD, suicide hotline. Any of the articles that we were reading from, we'll obviously make sure and put those in the show notes. Absolutely. So with that, take care of you. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15 minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.